This old is new again, eventually, isn't it? We're different, we're changed by it, but, but there's still a similarity. On the other hand, some of you might be sitting here going, history is just a little bit depressing. I mean, there is so much darkness in history, isn't there? We've heard so much about persecution. We've heard so much about uh, fighting within the church. And even in the last 50, I mean, we can all stand up and say, yes, uh, this church fights with this church. and You cannot be charismatic and Pentecostal. And if the people didn't like the Pentecostals because they were on the wrong side of the tracks. And it's just, there's this horribleness about church history, which which can be a little bit depressing. And you might be sitting there going, well, is there any hope? Is there any hope for the church? We're going to read just a little bit uh, quickly from the letter to the Philippians. Uh, This is a letter that Paul wrote uh, from jail to the Philippians. Uh, And we're just going to read uh, a few verses from Philippians 1, verse 12. Paul writes and says, Um, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love Uh, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, well, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that, uh, well, supposing that they can stir up more trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter, says Paul? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. So here we have Paul sitting in jail. And if there was ever a time when you could look at your life and say, life is half empty, it's when you're sitting in jail for having told people good news that God loves them. But Paul's a little bit of a Jesus man. It might surprise you to find out. And when he looks at life, Paul doesn't see the glass as half empty. Paul looks and sees that the glass is is more than half full. Paul, I I don't think he enjoyed being in prison. Uh, Being in prison was not an enjoyable experience, even less so than it is today. Um, Prison was meant to be a horrible place to be. But he didn't choose to focus on how terrible it was. Rather, uh, as Paul surveyed his jail cell and, and, and surveyed where he was at in life, he, he looked at it and he saw that God was using it for good. There were all these people, says Paul, who knew that he was in jail because he thought Jesus valuable. Because he wasn't afraid to tell people about Jesus. And there were Christians outside of the jail who were looking at him and going, yeah, Jesus is worth it. I'm, I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to keep on telling people how good Jesus is. Uh, Peter's told us how throughout church history, uh, Christians have taken loving Jesus as, as, as a most important thing to do. Uh, 
We've heard about people who have decided that, that the most important thing that they want to do is to please God and make him famous, whatever the cost. Uh, and, and yes, some of their ways of doing that are, quite frankly, odd. Um, I, I don't think any of us have a great temptation to go and sit in a poll for 40 years. It's weird, but, but still we look back at them and we, we can see them as an example to us. Even though what they did was crazy, the reason they did it was because they wanted to please God. Because they thought God valuable. And that's what we see from history as well. These, these Christians who wanted to, to live as if God was the most valuable thing in the world. And, and that makes me ask myself, and I hope it asks you, it makes you ask yourself, how valuable is Jesus to me? Could I ever commit to him on such a level? And we've also heard from Peter how our church history is full of squabbling Christians uh, or, or people claiming to be Christians. And that, that's nothing new, is it? And we all know about that. Uh, I mean, Golden Bay never fights, but I'm sure Scarborough and Wurra might every now and again. And, and I'm starting a fight right now, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> you know, even way back when, Paul knew some Christians who, who squabbled and, and fought. And there were some people, while Paul was in jail, writing to the Philippians, who had it in for him. People who, at the very least, claimed to be Christians. Maybe they had a theological gripe with Paul. Maybe they didn't like the way he waved his hands in the air when he sang his Hillsong songs. Um, in fact... Paul writes in verse 17 that what they wanted to do was to see him suffer. They wanted to make his chains feel all the heavier to him. They, they were envious out of, of him and, and, and they wanted to do take the opportunity of Paul's in jail. Let's, let's us get a bit of the limelight. Let's us tell people about Jesus. Because, you know, Paul gets all the attention. Why should he? But Paul's glass is half full and not half empty because he looks at what's happening and, and he could focus on, ah, oh, these people hate me and they're so nasty to me and they, they're just trying to make life difficult for me. But, but no, Paul looks at them and says, man, they're telling people about Jesus. That's brilliant. That, that's fantastic. Uh, he doesn't focus on the mess. He, he gets all rejoicy on them. He's like, whoa, this is brilliant. Was he happy that they were envious of him? No. But he rejoices because of what is happening for the sake of God's good news. The, the point of understanding our history is, is understanding what has made us who we are. I don't know if any of you have written your biographies. John, who's at the back there, has just published his, his uh, biography and given it to us, to us in the church. And, it's brilliant to know where you come from. Because where you come from makes who you are. And, and I think if I want you to have a take home from church history this weekend, it's, it's quite simple. Uh, where are we from? What are we at the moment? 
my dear? What, what's the biggest thing? What are we at the moment? In terms of the church. In terms of the church. We're a church, yeah, that's right. See, I want you to know from church history, the most important thing to realize is that we are a mess. <laughs> and we've always been a mess. Uh, if you read through your New Testament, most of it is about the apostles putting out fires. The church is a mess. The church always has, you know, Monty Python-esque people who, who we laugh at. But if you were in that situation, it would be horrible. Stupid people uh, fighting with each other, killing each other. Uh, I mean, destroying each other because you don't agree with how you're taking in. How, how ridiculous is that? It is a mess. And the reason the church is a mess is because we are messy individuals. We are sinful. We are selfish. We are, we're messed up. We're broken. And we're broken people. We are just like every other person in the world. Except for the fact that our glass isn't half empty but half full. See, the church has something that the world doesn't have. We've got a reason to hope. We could have sat here and heard about uh, non-Christian history and the same conclusion would have arisen. Humanity is a mess. But what makes us different as a church is that we have a God who loves us, who has rescued us, who has trusted us with the mission of telling people about him, who has given us his spirit. I mean, do we get things wrong as a church? If you've been listening for the last two days, the answer is an obvious yes. And we still get things wrong as a church. And, 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 and we shouldn't. And, and I'm not saying let's excuse that because we want to strive to get things right. But the good news, the good news that we hold, the thing that makes us half full people, is that well, the good news isn't about us, is it? The good news is, is about God. The good news is about the fact that God loves us despite our mess, despite our switching from extreme to extreme. The good news is that God loves us and by the way, God is the one who decides if there's still hope for the church. In fact, I think if you look at such a messy church as we have, and we've always had, and even Paul had when he was writing to the Philippians, if you look at us, and you might go and say, what a pathetic waste of time. Or you might look at the church and say, wow, if God can save them, he's pretty impressive. And that's the good news. You know what? You might say that the church should have finished centuries ago. With so much persecution from without and squabbling from within, why didn't the church just fail? If the glass was half empty and you keep emptying half the glass, soon you've got no water left at all. But the church is always a church where the glass is half full and getting fuller. Jesus, at one stage, Matthew chapter 16, looked at, at Peter and he said, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The powers of hell cannot defeat Jesus' church. But you know what the most important word in that sentence is? 
is the word I. Listen to it again. Now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Why is the church still here? If we are so messy, if church history is one long comedy of errors, with some beautiful moments of God's grace shining through, but, but why, if the church is so messed up, are we still here? Because we're Jesus' church. And that's what makes the glass half full. Church history tells us that we need Jesus. Church history tells us that we are not home yet. I mean, it was beautiful this morning and you might have thought, is this heaven? And then you looked and you looked across the table to who you were having breakfast with and you thought, oh, not yet. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, the reason we have hope is that Jesus is building his church. And we mess it up all the time. But Jesus will bring his plan to completion. It's not about how good we are as a church. It's about how good God is. And for that reason alone, the glass is half full. And we're waiting for the day when Jesus comes back and the glass overflows. So what I want you guys to do just for uh, just one minute, just, just get together in your groups and, and just, just encourage each other and, and, and explain why you think. Uh, first of all, so do you think the church has any hope for the future? Um, do you think that there is anything that we can do to make sure we don't fall into the mistakes of the past? But why is there hope? Just encourage each other in that. And we're going to call Chad back in and then we're going to sing uh, a church arise and put your armor on. And we're going to fight this thing out because there is hope for the future.